At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. Uh, how many of you ever have started a new habit? Um, perhaps you wanted to um, do a, a marathon, you know, and so you started to run every morning. That's not me, by the way. That just, that, it's not happening. Um, maybe you wanted to, you know, um, um, get up every morning when the alarm sounds as opposed to hitting the snooze button seven times before you get up, right? Or you wanted to drink eight glasses of water a day, right? I mean, that's something... Like, how many of you have done that? You know what I mean? Like, you've like wanted to start a new habit, right? You've heard that in order to start a new habit, it takes 21 days of continuous repeated usage of that pattern or habit in order to make it stick. You've heard of that, right? Does anybody know where that came from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from. It came from a guy named Maxwell Maltz in 1960. You know who he was? He was a plastic surgeon. He made the number up. It's not real. It never was real. In fact, there was a group of scientists who actually did a study, and in a peer-reviewed journal called the European Journal of Social Psychology, the actual average number of days that you need to repeat a pattern enough times for it to be a habit, the average is 66 days. The average. So drinking eight glasses of water might only take 18 or 21 days. That's true. But something much more transformative, something much more lifestyle changing might take over 250 days. But the average is 66 days. That's a long time to stick with anything, isn't it? I mean, I'm already past the trying a new habit series, you know, but, but here we are. We're in a message series called Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World. And we're looking at how we can be intentional, intentional in developing habits that sustain us, habits that we today, well, we're calling it habits, but the old-fashioned name for that was spiritual disciplines. You've heard of those. But these are habits or disciplines that we need to develop in our life in order to have and maintain a healthy, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. And so while it may not take 21 days for us to make these parts of our lives, and maybe for some of us, some of these might take a whole lot longer because they are truly lifestyle changes for us. If you stick with it, these habits, these disciplines will truly transform the way we walk in this world with Jesus Christ. So we are in the last week of that series, as Pastor Vince informed us, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. But this today, today's topic is really a messy one. I'll have to be honest, as I um, struggled through studying this and wrestling with this on my own, because we are a people, myself included, that love freedom. Amen? We want to be our own boss. We want to make our own decisions. I mean, whether you're three years old or 30 years old or 90 years old, we want autonomy and we want the ability to do things our way, ourselves. 
anyone doesn't have that mindset, we'll talk afterwards. And I'm sure there's, you know, Andy Wisman will pray for you. All right? But, but we, we typically like power and control and the authority to make those decisions in our life, right? This is a yes, right? Okay. Wait, stay with me. But today's message is going to be the opposite of everything I just said. And so you can see why it was difficult and why it's messy. The opposite of all of that, I can summarize in one word. It's submission. Anybody? Anybody want to try that habit? Well, that's the habit we're going to talk about today. I didn't pick this topic. (laughs) Pastor Vince did. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to submit to his authority. So here I am dealing with a topic that was very hard for me. And I, I'm, I am not going to mince any words. This is hard for me. And I am not going to stand up here and tell you that I got it all figured out. I don't. I, God's still working on me. Thank God he's still working on me. God's working on you. Together, as we look at this passage in Mark chapter 8, we're going to figure out what it looks like to have the habit of submission. Or another word is surrender. You know, we're Americans. We don't like to surrender. <laughs> we, we, we like to stand tall and proud, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when we come to Jesus Christ and we sing songs like, thank you for the blood, we have to learn the habit of submission because it's in and through the habit and the discipline of submission that we really get to taste and see how wonderful God really is. Today, as we look at this rhythm of submission in our lives, what we're going to see is that we must lose our life in order to save it. We must lose our life in order to save it. So you're in Mark chapter 8, but as you are either turning there or clicking there, let me just set the stage for you. Jesus is uh, with his disciples on, the mount, um, on a mountain in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus asks his disciples a question back up in verse number 27 or so. He says, who do you say that I am? And the disciples, Peter specifically says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so he's saying, you are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one that has come to rescue and to save Israel. But the problem was that their expectations, their, their longing was for the Messiah was totally misunderstood. You see, they, they wanted the Messiah to come and to kick out the Romans and to reestablish Israel as a nation, an autonomous nation, and the Messiah would rule as the king. That's what they wanted. That's what they expected the Messiah to come and do. But that's not what Jesus came to do. That's not the purpose of the mission that Jesus came to fulfill. And so immediately after that confession, Jesus begins to teach his disciples that the Messiah is going to have to go through suffering and go through pain that will ultimately lead to his death. Now, that didn't sit well with the apostles or the the disciples. That certainly didn't sit well with Peter or his expectations. And so he takes Jesus aside and he rebukes Jesus. I mean, talk about you know, rebuking Jesus? Are you serious? But that's what he did. And Jesus, in turn, rebukes him. And we come to the passage now where Jesus begins to teach his disciples and the crowds who are following him what the path of following him really looks like. It isn't the throne first. 
It's the cross, and it's the path of the cross. In fact, we're going to look at three things this morning that we need to do in order, if we are going to lose our life in order to save it. Submission to, to Jesus will require us to lose our life by following the way of the cross, by following the way of the cross. Let me read for you verses 34 and 35. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. <clears throat> Jesus lays out that the path of following Jesus is not just roses and balloons. It's not jumping on a party bus that's full of games and music and fun. There's pain and there's suffering in the path if you choose to follow Jesus. In fact, there's two specific things he calls out in verse 34. He says, in order to follow me, you must first deny yourself. Now, when I first think of denying myself, I think, you know, my mind always goes to food. I'm always thinking denying myself means dieting, right? I've got to give up chocolate or I've got to give up ice cream or, or I've got to give up carbs. Uh, I mean, come on. Carbs have all the fun. They have all the flavor. Why well, give up all the good stuff? But uh, that's what I normally think of when I think of denying. But, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He says deny ourselves. What Jesus is saying is it's not giving up an extra scoop of ice cream or an extra helping of fried chicken. He's talking about denying me. Jesus is saying I have to let go of me. You see, ever since I have been born, it's all been about, oh yeah, you know, me and what I want, and my tastes, and my authority, and my power, and, and it's all about me, isn't it? I mean, doesn't the world revolve around me? That's what the world would like us to think. But Jesus says that in this world that we live in, that we have to deny me. We have to say no to me. I want to give you a working definition for submission Submission is voluntary yielding to the power, authority, or desire of another. Voluntary yielding to the power, authority, or desire of another. And for us as Christians, that authority is God. And so submission is the voluntary yielding of our power, authority, and desire to God. To God. In fact, the word submission comes from a Greek word, hupotasso, which means to voluntarily put ourselves under someone or something. And in our case, we're putting ourselves under God. And so when Jesus says to us, we must deny ourselves, what he's saying is, when we say no to us, we're saying yes to him. That we're putting ourselves under him, so it's no longer about what I want and what I desire and where I want to go and do things my way, even though Burger King would love to have you do it your way. Jesus says, no, no, do it my way. Do it my way, his way. He says, deny yourself. That's following the way of the cross. But not only does it require denying ourselves, the way of the cross requires us to take up our cross, to take up our cross. We, we often think of the fact that we have to deal with an impossible boss or a, a difficult spouse or a, a crazy neighbor as our cross, right? We look at our crazy children and says, that's my cross to bear, right? right? But 
that's not the cross that Jesus is talking about. When Jesus said to take up the cross, his disciples and his audience, you know what they thought of? They thought of the cross. Anyone who was picking up a cross was on their way to die. The Romans had perfected the art of torturous execution. The most painful way to die was by crucifixion. It is estimated, historians believe, that in just Jesus' lifetime, 33 years or so, 30,000 Jews were crucified. That's a horrendous way to die. And so when Jesus says, pick up your cross, he's telling us, and their minds would have gone to the fact that picking up the cross, you're on death row. You are walking to the place of your execution. Now, can I ask you a question? How many of you have a chain around your neck that has a cross on it? Some of you that are willing to say yes. We're wearing a symbol of an execution. Don't take it off. We have made it jewelry. It's beautiful. But that's, I mean, it's like wearing an electric chair around our neck. That's, that's essentially what it is. And Jesus says, pick up your cross. It is the most disgusting, torturous, painful, bloody, horrendous way to die there was. And what is Jesus saying? Not only do we deny ourselves and say no to me, but we have to die to ourselves. That we have to die to our will. We have to die to the things we want. We have to die to the things of our hopes and our dreams. And that's not easy because we have a lot of hopes and dreams, don't we? If you don't, I do. <laughs> and I'll just speak for me. Lord, I, but I want that. I want, I want to do that. I want to go there. And God says, no, I want you to take up your cross and die. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. And yet I live. That's the life that Jesus calls us to live in him. If we are going to follow the way of the cross, then it requires us to pick up our cross, which means to die. He's calling us to die to our own will, die to our own plans, to die to our own desires. A.W. Tozer would say it this way, the man with a cross no longer controls his destiny. He lost control when he picked up his cross. Friends, this is not easy. I struggle with this daily. By the way, in Luke's account of this passage, the parallel passage, Luke adds that word daily. He says we are to pick up our cross daily. Why daily? Because it's a daily thing we have to do. So every morning, one of the things I try to do, and I can't tell you I'm successful every day, is I thank God as I sit at the edge of my bed. I thank God for giving me the grace to wake up. And then I say this, Lord... Here we go again. It's another day. Not my will. Yours be done. And I surrender the day to him. And I'm not suggesting that that's the magic formula for everything because God knows I mess it up all over the place. But I voluntarily submit my day to him and say, Lord, whatever this day brings, let it be your will and not mine. That's hard to do. It's hard to do because there are a lot of things I want to do and a lot of things I want to have happen in my life. 
but I've got to voluntarily surrender my rights and my authority and my power and say, Lord, your will be done. That's what it looks like when you follow the way of the cross. And so when we deny ourselves and we take up our cross, that's when we can follow Jesus. And following Jesus inherently has within it the obedience to Jesus. But that obedience isn't mechanical. That obedience comes from a, rela a relationship with Jesus Christ and out of the outflow of that love for Him. As we sang, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. As our hearts explode in love for Him, as we draw closer to Him, the size of our cross is dependent upon the, the, the size of our love for Him. And so as we follow Him, as we obey Him, we love Him even more. We love Him even more. And so it's easy in our culture, in, in a day and age where we can just turn on any streaming service or TV or cable channel and the ads and the, and the things that confront us tell us, just do what feels good. Don't you want that vacation in Cancun? Yes. Don't you want that wonderful Harley Davidson? Yes. Right? Don't you want that beautiful 4,000-square-foot house on the lake with the boat? Yes. And yet God says, I have another plan for you. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. That's the way of the cross. That's the only way we're going to save our life is if we lose it. We have to pursue the habit of following the way of the cross. Living a life of submitting to Jesus will also require us, secondly, to dying to the ways of the world. We must die to the ways of the world. Verse, uh, verses 36 and 37 say, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So as we look at these verses now, as we look at dying to the ways of the world, I want to just look at that word psyche for just a second. Sorry, the word soul. The word soul comes from the Greek word psyche. And it typically means our body. Typically it means our body. But the more common, the more important use of the word psyche is in a reference to our being. To our, the core of who we are. The part of us that isn't bound by space and time. It's referring to our soul. The, and so in this, these two verses, we have a comparison between the world, which is temporary, and our soul, which is not. Our soul exists forever. And so Jesus asks this question, what would it look like if you gained the whole world? So to make this concrete, let's just pretend, just pretend, work with me, that you had the combined wealth of Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Elon Musk. Anybody? Yeah. If you look at the recent numbers for these men, you are just shy of half a trillion dollars. Just three men. Anybody not want in? <laughs> I mean, think of half a trillion dollars. What could you do with it? You could do anything you wanted. You could go anywhere you wanted. You could buy anything your heart desired. You could have any experience any time at any... You could buy islands. In fact, you could buy all the islands, right? I mean, there is nothing beyond the point that you could get everything. What if behind door number one... You had half a trillion dollars. It's yours. Behind door number two is your soul. Which one would you pick? Remember that old game? 
I'm dating myself. The world is telling you half a trillion dollars is wonderful. Think of all the things you could accomplish. I mean, think of all the missionaries you could, you could, you could support and feed and, and the yacht that you could travel the world around and visit those people. I mean, that's, I mean, you could do a lot of good with half a trillion dollars. Amen? Some of you are like, uh, that's not enough. After taxes and carrying them. Okay, I'm only left with like a quarter of a trillion. That's, that may not be enough. But the world tells us that's what you do. Pursue your dreams. Go get it. Crawl, climb, beat, step on, do whatever it takes, because that's success. And yet, what does all of that matter when God calls you home? Because not one dollar of that half trillion dollars comes with you, does it? The part that comes with you is what's behind door number two, and that's your soul. That's the part that never leaves you. That's the part that you are. That's the part that has to stand before God. That's the part that has to answer for God for what you have done in your life. So you have an option. You can take what the world's offering. The world is offering success and fame and fortune and prestige and power and authority and everything else that makes life good here. But once this life is over, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his soul. The world and everything in this world will only last one lifetime. But your soul, your soul will last for all eternity. So the question you have to answer today is, which one would you pick? Now, the way I've set that up, it's obvious. But when you're Monday through Saturday in the world, working and struggling and trying to do make ends meet, make money, live your life. Is that what you're thinking? Is that the thought that arrests your attention every day of the week? You know, in about 81,000 or 1,000 AD, they opened up the tomb of Charlemagne. Charlemagne was the king of the Franks. He had died about 180 years earlier to that point, but they opened his tomb and and, and they opened the tomb and they went in. They, they found a lot of treasure strewn all around the tomb. But then they also found something very interesting. They found a throne. And on the throne is the skeleton of Charlemagne. The skeleton. And in his bony hands is a copy of the Gospels. And one bony finger is pointed to this verse. What shall it profit a man? if he gain his, the whole world and lose his soul. Charlemagne had everything, but he recognized that all of that stuff that he had didn't mean anything. And so he died and went to stand before his God, knowing that his soul was far more important than what he could gain in this world. Friends, this world is finite. We come into this world with nothing, and we are going to leave this world with nothing, no matter what we may think otherwise. One day, that, that day is coming when God will call you home. And we will have to leave everything behind. Whether we like it or not, whether we're ready or not, the question is, what will we have spent our life pursuing? How much wiser would it be to do what Jim Elliot did <clears throat> at the age of 28 while trying to take the gospel to the natives of Ecuador? He paid the ultimate price of dying as a missionary on the fields of Ecuador. 
And at the age of 22 in his journal, he writes these words. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Friends, our soul is something we can never lose because it is who we are. How much effort and time have we spent on our soul? That's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's the call that Jesus is giving to his disciples and through that to us. What will we do? Will we pursue what the world is offering or will we follow the way of the cross? Will we say yes to me or will we say yes to him? That's the choice you have to make every single day. Every single day. The way of the world, entitlement. The way of the world, expectation. The way of the world, it's all about me. For Jesus, the way of the cross says no to all of that. We deny ourselves, we pick up the cross, and we follow him, knowing that one day our soul will have to stand before our maker and answer for the things we've done in this world. Amen? That brings me to the last item for today, which is submission to Jesus requires us to unashamedly find new life in Christ. Unashamedly <laughs> find new life in Christ. Verse number 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with his heavenly holy angels. <coughs> so this is ultimately talking about whether or not we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yes, there are tales to this verse. When we are at work and people ask us if we're Christian, will we say, yes, we are Christian, or will we hide behind a vague general answer? All of that's built into here. But if you cannot say yes to Jesus and his cross, you can never answer the question of your, of your coworker, can you? So ultimately, this question about being ashamed of Jesus is about what you have done with Jesus. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Has he become Savior of your life? Have you left the throne of your heart so that he can sit on the throne of your heart? That's the question. And I don't know the stories of many of you, but undoubtedly, there are some of you here this morning who are still wrestling with the question of, who is Jesus? Should I say no to all the stuff around me? No to what I've been brought up with? Say no to all of my heritage? Say no to all of the fun? Because Christians don't have any fun, right? I mean, like, how wrong is that? And say yes to Jesus. Because the way of the cross is antithetical to the way of this world. And the way of this world, while it promises a lot of glory and power and wonderful things, fades away. But the way of the cross, as painful as it is, as hard as it is to say no to ourselves and say no to me, it's the way to life everlasting. And so the question for all of us is, what have we done with Jesus? Have we said yes to him? Have we looked at the cross and recognized that he died on that cross for me, that he shed his blood for me, that he paid the ultimate price that I should have paid, that it was my sin that held him to that cross? We just sang, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Why did we say that? Because nothing but the blood of Jesus washes as white as snow. 
Friends, if, if that hasn't happened for you, if you have never repented of your sin, if you had never said, Lord, I am sorry for the things I've done, would you come and save me? If you've never said, Lord Jesus, come in and be the Savior of my life, then you don't understand what those songs mean. You don't understand what this passage means because you have not taken up your cross and you've never followed him. But may I encourage you, today is a wonderful day. Today is the best day to come to know Jesus Christ by faith. It means to turn away from all the things you used to do and to turn to the cross and say, yes, Lord, I believe. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to wash me with your precious blood, and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. If you do that, the Bible says the moment you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Jesus comes to sit in the throne of your heart. He comes to fill your heart with his presence. He gives you a peace you cannot explain. He gives you a joy that, that, that you don't know where it came from, but it came from him because you've denied yourself, you've picked up the cross, and you've started following him. For all of you who have accepted Jesus, for all of you who have unashamedly accepted Jesus as Lord, this is a call for each and every one of you to radical commitment. That daily we pick up our cross. Daily we deny ourselves. Daily we say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Daily. Why daily? Because every day is new. And every day brings its own challenges. And every day is just as hard as the day before. And if we don't have the strength of the Spirit working in us and through us, it's hard to do this on our own. But Jesus never intended us to do this on our own. He's given us the Spirit of God to empower us, to equip us, to enable us to, to live for Him, to surrender to Him, to continue to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow Him. No conversation about surrender and submission is complete without some mention of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You may know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor during World War II who wrote perhaps the most famous book, The Cost of Discipleship. Hitler had used the German church to spread his propaganda, his Aryan propaganda, and his hatred against the Jews to all of Germany and perhaps all of Europe. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer opposed Hitler and opposed that message, and he was part of what was called the Confessing Church, who pushed back against what Hitler was proclaiming and spewing during the 1930s and 40s. In fact, in German, they call Hitler Die Führer, which means the leader. And in one radio broadcast that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was giving in Berlin, he said these words. He said, <clears throat> There can be only one Führer for Christians, and it isn't Adolf Hitler, it is Jesus Christ. But he never got a chance to finish that radio broadcast because somebody pulled that plug. The Gestapo arrested him, and he went to spend time in a concentration camp. And just two weeks before the war ended, on, August, on April 9th, 1945, Bonhoeffer was let out of the prison and marched to the gallows with some of the other prisoners where he was stripped naked and brought up to the gallows to hang for his execution. There was a doctor who was in attendance at that execution who wrote the following words. He says, I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer kneeling on the floor praying fervently to God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout and so certain that 
God heard his prayer. At the place of execution, he again said a short prayer, and he climbed the few steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensued a, a few seconds later. In the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor in that camp, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in the last letter that he wrote to a friend in England, he writes these words, this is the end, but for me, it is the beginning of life. Friends, you have a choice this morning. You can follow the way of the world, or you can follow the way of the cross. The way of the world is full of glitz and glamour, fame and prestige, money and power and wonderful things. The way of the cross is anything but. It's painful. It's filled with suffering. It's a narrow road. It requires obedience. It requires submission. It requires laying our all before the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. But the choice is yours. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.